It all began when, in 1985, I was asked to, in Canada, to be Pastor David Wilkerson's interpreter. I think they're going to show a picture of me and Brother Dave uh, when we were uh, together uh, in 1985. Uh, and, and all these years, 34 years together, uh, ministering, yes. I was waiting. I was waiting for the picture to come up. I knew, I know I look like a, a Latino narco-trafficking on that one. I was formerly a French narco-trafficking. It's very different. And 34 amazing years coming every year to, to bring, bring the word here. We've been uh, uh, good and close friends with Pastor Carter and uh, Pastor Teresa uh, for all these years. Pastor Carter and I have preached together all over the world. This is Pastor Carter and I in Ivory Coast. Say to the person next to you, they look good. Say that to the person next to you. Ivory Coast, Ireland, Haiti, Canada, Burundi, uh, all of, and many, many French countries together. Actually, Pastor Carter and I, and, and I were also uh, preaching a few years ago uh, to, to over 2,000 pastors and leaders for three days in the center of Paris at a theater called the Bataclan. And you might remember that just after, uh, a few weeks after we were there, uh, preaching for salvation and forgiveness and love and the full night, uh, life of Christ, a terrible te terrorist attack occurred at the very place where Pastor Carter and I preached the word. Over 130 were killed. 90 at that, in that very building at the Bataclan. 413 were seriously wounded. A massacre, one of the worst in France's uh, history. And in the days that followed, I was watching the news and I saw, I was, I was struck by the testimony of this young man who uh, was in that theater where we preached and prayed in the same room, same stage. And he saw, uh, he witnessed many of his friends die right around him. And his friends, uh, he just uh, uh, threw himself to the to the floor and his friends fell over him and he actually would see the terrorists walk by and the boots and, a, and the machine gun and he, he actually said, I was watching it on TV, French television and he, he said, I was saved because I was covered with the blood of an innocent man and I thought we're all saved because we're covered with the blood of Christ. Will you say yes please? And Pastor Carter, I come to you uh, today. They have rebuilt, they have re cleaned up and reopened the Bataclan. I come today with an invitation from over 100 French pastors. They want us to go back. They want you and I to go back to preach. How many of you think we should be there to preach God's love, salvation, forgiveness? Would you give a shout to the love of God that overcomes all things? I want you to turn with me to Acts 27:28. The title of my message today is uh, Shipwrecked Under His Sovereignty. Shipwrecked Under His Sovereignty. You may feel you are shipwrecked, but you are always under His sovereignty. There's a kingdom sequence, a kingdom principle that I actually taught here last time I was here, that as we follow Jesus through uh, the Gospels, you, we see this chapter by chapter, and you will see this in your life, you will see this in the life of a ministry, the life of a church, in a family, where we go from, from a season of multiplication under the blessing of God, right into storms. And sometimes you'll be from multiplication to multiplication, right into storm. And the sequence is from multiplication into storms storm into greater measures of the miraculous in his purposes. 
So if you're in a storm right now, on the other side of uh, that tumultuous sea, there is a bank of God's blessing and deeper blessing and deeper miracle. And in that, uh, we see that sequence in all four Gospels, but we also see it in the book of Acts. I've been teaching for weeks uh, uh, on the book of Acts, and when we, uh, we, we go through the book of Acts, we see the exact same thing. We see the church that is born and, and, and multiplication, but then there are seasons of storms. But on the other side, of the seasons of storm is always for a deeper work, deeper purposes. And we can actually, when we look in the book of Acts, it's actually closer in a certain way to, to our reality. The disciples and the gospels walked with Jesus. But, uh, but in the book of Acts, in a 30-year span covered uh, by the book of Acts, it's, it's so much closer to us because uh, we, we know they, just like, uh, like they, we know he's immutable. He doesn't change, but he's invisible sometimes. We know that he, we know that uh, he, uh, we know his promises, but we don't have his physical presence. We, we believe in his deity, but there are delays in, in his answers. We, he's our savior, but we, we know he's our savior, but sometimes we are shipwrecked. We have, we have his instructions, but sometimes we suffer injustices that are simply incomprehensible. And that's where we find Paul. We find him in the book of Acts, and, in, and over the book of Acts, chapter 26, 27, we find him. We, we look at his condition, his circumstances, and they're so close to ours. He's, he's going to be shipwrecked under his sovereignty, but he's done nothing wrong. In Acts 26, 31, the governor and Agrippa and Festus say, actually say, Acts 26, 31, this man has done nothing deserving of death or chains. This man could have been set free, but he asked to go to Rome. And I'll, I'll get to that again. And you will find yourself, and I'll find myself, in storms where I've done nothing wrong. Where all I've wanted was to serve God and honor him, and yet uh, I'm shipwrecked. Yet I'm in a storm. Yet uh, uh, insane opposition come. Conflict, nasty conflict and opposition. Acts 27.4, we sailed but needed shelter for the winds were contrary. May I say today, this special weekend, with all the events of the weekend right here in Times Square at the crossroads of the world, when we stand for truth and for the sanctity of life, for God, for the defenseless inside and outside of the womb, there will be fierce opposition. But we must stand with love for truth in Jesus' name. So here they are, shipwrecked under sovereignty, uh, they, the context of injustice, of opposition. There's a context of impatience. In Acts 27, 7, he say, we write, we read, that we sailed slowly for so many days. The winds would not allow us to advance. And for many of us, we, we, we have been in these moments where, where we think it's just going too slow. The situation is not changing fast enough. My husband, my wife, don't look to the side, look to me. My husband, my wife, is not changing fast. My kids aren't changing fast enough. This breakthrough is not coming. This healing is not coming. Our ministry is not changing, is not growing, is not evolving fast enough. The fulfillment of the promise is not coming fast enough. And in these seasons of it's not fast enough, it can become very dangerous, spiritually. In Acts 27, 9, now when much time had been spent and sailing uh, was now becoming dangerous. 
And in these times of, of waiting, in these times of, of, of storms, there's dangers because the, the sea, these seasons of storms can develop us. They can define us. We can discover uh, deeply our destinies. We can deepen ourselves in his desires. But they can also diminish us because they are dangerous. Our deployment and development depends on our decisions. During these storms. I would say it this way. Uh, Pastor Theresa, Dr. Collins said it uh, beautifully yesterday. She said to the students, you are born looking like your parents, but you die, you die looking like your decisions. Like the decisions you took in life through your storms. So there's injustice and opposition and impatience and danger. And there's also frustration. If you look at chapter 27 and verse 10. Paul said, Paul said to them, advised them, warned them. Saying, men, I perceive this, this trip will end with disaster. And much loss, not only of the cargo, but threats to ships and also our lives. Nevertheless... The centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Sometimes we are in storms because people around us ignored our warnings. Parents are in storms because their kids did not listen to the ways of the Lord. They taught them. We suffer sometimes because we, they, Paul found himself completely innocent in a storm because they actually ignored what he had said. A nation can be in a storm because it ignores the voice of God, the message of God, the law of God. They're in a storm. Uh, family members, a spouse, children, friends, parents, people we're trying to help minister to. And, and they bring us in their storm because they, they're ignoring. And there's that frustration that could very uh, easily uh, uh, turn into, into hopelessness. If you read verse 13 to 17 of Acts 27. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained the desire, actually said, supposing that thinking they had their destiny in their hands. Would you say to somebody next to you, you're not controlling anything? Say that to somebody next to you. <laughs> you're not in control of anything. You're only in control of ourselves before our God. He's in control of all things. But they, but not long after, tempestuous headwind arose. Call the uh, Euroclidon, and, and they, have, they have myths, they have legends, they have history, historians of the day, poems were written about that storm that, that, that brought death, uh, that type of storm. We would call it in modern days a perfect storm, a deadly storm. And when the ship was caught, they could not head into the wind. We let her drift and run and running under the shelter of an island called Clara, we secured the skip with difficulty. There's hopelessness. They began to they began to drift. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever underestimated what that what began like a soft wind in your life? A soft wind of rebellion, a soft wind of discontentment, a soft wind of criticism, a soft wind, a soft wind of murmuring, a soft wind of a hidden sin that nobody sees, nobody knows. They, it began like a soft wind, and they were saying, we can handle this. But they actually began that, to lose such control. It was so hopeless. They had lost every hope of, it, uh, of, of coming alive. And, and, and they began to let themselves just drift. And that is the, the question of the Holy Spirit for each of us in certain seasons of our lives, and maybe for you. You today have you been allowing yourself to drift 
to drift away from God's principles in your life, from his commands, from his love, from his purposes, from your very identity? Have you allowed a storm that is incomprehensible to bring you into a place where you are, are drifting? Uh, do you ever face a storm that threatens to shipwreck you? Uh, that, that, that shipwreck was, it, it's that place in our life when it's too much, too late, too far gone. We, we had to unload too much, too painful, too desperate. Let me share with you some uh, from this passage, some principles, some keys, so, some revelations from the word of God this morning for you that will, that will strengthen you and root you. Uh, and yet as you walk out of the building today by the grace of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with a sense of when I, when I am shipwrecked, I'm always under his sovereignty. And the first thought, the first anchor is that the revelation is more important than the reasons. Your revelation of God is more important than the reasons you are in this sermon. Again, look with me at Acts chapter 27 and verse 18. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle in verse 20. And when neither sun or stars appeared for many days, all hope that we would be saved. See, uh, we, we, had ma uh, we had almost given up. We, we was, was given up. But after long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> he should have listened to me. How many of you have been in moments where you've told people around you, you should have listened to me? But he adds a but. Don't stay in the, you should have listened to me. He goes on, you should have listened to me. He goes, you should have listened to me. But, now he says, uh, uh, now, uh, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete. And incur this disaster. And now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you. But only the ship. For there stood by me. That's the revelation. There stood by me this night. An angel of God. Of the God to whom I belong. And whom I serve. Saying do not be afraid Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed God has granted you. All that, 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 that sail with you. Therefore take heart. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. However, we must run uh, aground on a certain island. Paul says, uh, I don't know all the reasons, but the God who I serve. He, Paul was saying, you, you can't go down because I'm on this ship. And I'm under orders from God. I am on my way to Rome. Say to the person next to you, you're so lucky to be sitting next to me. Say that to somebody. <laughs> you're so blessed. You're so blessed, you're so protected to be sitting next to me. Years ago, years ago, I was flying to Europe and, and, and uh, at the airport in Montreal, there was a young man who just, I was in line waiting to get on the plane. And the young man came, hey, pa Pastor Claude, unbelievable, we're on the same flight, I'm going to France too. I said, hey, God bless you. Uh, say, 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 safe travels to you. So we get on the plane, I'm sitting, I see him walk by, he taps me, praise God, and I say, yeah, pray, safe travel. He goes back to, he goes back to his seat, and this young man, it's not from my church, this young man knew me, and, and, and the people are filling up the plane, he gets up. Uh, attention, everybody. I want you to know this plane is safe. This plane cannot go down. Air Canada flight to France. This, this flight is safe. There's a man of God on board. Pastor Claude is on board. Have a safe trip. I'm watching people around me. Hello, hello, hello. 
the God to whom I belong, the God that I, I would say this way, the, the revelation is more important than the reasons. Whom I belong is more important than the beatings. The ship was beaten. I want you to know, and that's hard for us because we always want to know the reasons. I want to know why, and why this, and why so long, and why not, and why, and why. I want you to remember today when you feel you are shipwrecked, when you feel you're, you've lost control of, of, a, of an area of your life, I want you to know the God to whom you belong, the one that you serve has a plan, has a direction, has his hand over your life. And you are on your way to where he's calling you to do and, and to be and, and whatever it will be done unto you as he has promised. That is your revelation that erases all reasons. Would you applaud the revelation of God in your life? When you are shipwrecked, when you are shipwrecked under his sovereignty, the revelation is more important than the reasons. And Malta prepares the miraculous. When they had escaped, chapter 28, verse 1, when they had escaped, they found after the shipwreck, they found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, and they, for, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. This is a man of God, and he finds himself. He's done nothing wrong. He is on, he is on his way to Rome. He's on his way to, to his destiny. What is he doing in Malta? Malta is that place. He, 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 this is Malta. There's barbarians. There's a shipwreck. They barely escaped their lives. We lose everything. It's cold. It's raining on them. The chains, the unknown language. I don't understand anything. In those seasons, we often feel nobody understands me. I'm trying to explain. I can't make myself understood to anyone. I'm suffering alone. Nobody understands me. It's all so scary. It's threatening. It's so far from my destiny in Rome, says Paul. I'm so far from where I thought I should be on my way to in my life. Here's the question. Have you ever found yourself in a place in your life you absolutely had not planned? Never thought I'd be here. How did, how did my family end up here? How did my marriage end up here? How did my kids end up here? How did my ministry? How did our church? How did our, my service? How did my career end up here in Malta? Malta is the place you never expected to be. Malta is the place in our lives. That it's that place in our life that we never thought would last this long. But I want you to hear the Spirit of God saying to you today, Malta is the place that prepares the miraculous in your life. And I see... I see many students, I see many graduates, I see many people on this graduation, 25th graduation weekend. Can I say this? We're going to have our graduation uh, in a few weeks in our Bible school uh, in Montreal. We have 300 students uh, from all over French countries. And I will say to them, uh, after 30-some years of ministry, the maltas of questions and doubts in our lives at what pre- uh, is exactly the place that prepares us for ministry, that prepares the miraculous in Malta. When everything seems dead, everything's incomprehensible, you are letting go of your assumptions and of your timetables and of your plans and your capacities and your, your, all of your uh, well-set ideas, strategies, knowledge, and you stand in a place of nakedness before God. All I have is you. All I need is you. You are my all-sufficiency. 
I want to tell you that God says in Malta, uh, God wants, in Malta, God wants your trial to become your testimony. Really, he wants that season of suffering to become a story of grace that you will minister to others. He wants the grief and the fear to cause you to grow in faith under his favor. The ship that I've sunk will become your season of the supernatural in your life. That the worst valleys will become shouts of victories and of worship before him. Say yes, please. That's Malta. Years ago, I preached in California, and they, uh, after the week, they, take, they took me visiting some sites in the area, and they, and they took me to a place I'd never seen before. It's called Death Valley. It is the driest place in North America. Death Valley, driest, deadest, most suffocating, and lifeless desert in America. Nothing lives, nothing grows year after year. But here what ha here's what happened. In one time, in a winter 2004, record rains, results of El Nino, inches and inches of water came over a few months. And for a while, nothing seemed to show. Nothing changed. But, and this is history, you can look it up. On Easter 2005, on, on Resurrection Weekend 2005, and five, a phenomenon, the valley of death began to bloom. And miles and miles of flowers of, of every color. I want to say to somebody here today, you think you're in Death Valley? You think you're in Malta of misery? I'm here to tell you today, let him feed you. Let him quench your thirst. Let him water your heart right now. You say, yes, but nothing is, nothing is changing. I see nothing changing. The water of his spirit is watering your soul and the miraculous is being prepared. Death Valley will find life again. Say yes, please. I know we're a few weeks after Easter. But we, we, Easter is not an event on the calendar. Easter is the call of God. The angels did not roll away the stone to allow Jesus to come out. He rolled away the stone so we would come in the resurrection. That we would come in and experience the resurrection. So that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would dwell in us in Malta and prepare the miraculous in our lives. Romans chapter 4, our faith is a faith that calls to life what was dead. That calls to hope when there was no hope. And that calls to existence what did not exist. I want to declare your valley of death will bless awesome again under the power of God. Say yes, please. Shipwrecked under sovereignty, the revelation is more important than the reasons. Malta prepares the miraculous. Here's the third thought. You must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Acts 28 and verse 3. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened his, on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, this man is a murderer, whom, thought, uh, whom though he had escaped the sea, he had justice and not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature unto the fire and suffered no harm. No harm. Please, let's recap. Paul's in prison for the gospel, and he's done nothing wrong on completely false accusations. He should have been freed. His, his captor said it. He's on the chain on a ship. He warned them. They don't listen. He, he is there. He is there uh, accused, condemned unjustly, chains at his feet. He, he is there uh, uh, because of the stubbornness and stupidity 
uh, of those who would list, not listen to him, but preferring to listen to fools. He's a prisoner in Malta. There's rain, it's cold, he's judged by pagans, forgotten in the rain and in the cold. But here's what he's thinking. He's saying, uh, even in all of this, just like you sometimes and me sometimes, even in all of this, I'm going to continue. I'm going to help them with the fire. Have you ever been in a place where everything, you're shipwrecked on Malta, but you say, I'm going to praise God anyway. I'm going to serve him anyway. I'm going to, I'm going to help to this fire. I'm going to continue bringing my part to the Times Square Church fire. I'm going through so much, but I'm going to come and offer the sacrifice of praise before God. I'm putting my peace in the fire. Say to the person next to you, bring your peace to the fire. We need you. Say that to somebody next to you. This is the place where, this is the place where you're saying, I'm going to serve God anyway. I'm going to go on. Okay, I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm called to preach in the Colosseum in Rome. I'm on this barbarian island in the cold and the rain, but I'll serve. I'm going to bring a piece of wood to the fire because I, the worst has to be behind me. And a viper comes out and attaches itself to it. A viper? Can you imagine Paul? A viper? <laughs> the heat always brings out the viper. We're in the heat, shipwrecked in the heat of temptation, in the heat of pressure, or of being forsaken, or unjustly accused, of being abandoned, being betrayed. The heat of sickness, the heat of losing it all. Oh, beware of the vapor that is trying, the viper who's trying to attach itself to your hand. The viper of, of unbelief, the viper of these of secret thoughts of sin you would have never imagined you would have. The, vi the viper of doubting the whole thing. Is there even the viper of, of bitterness? The viper of letting your, your hands uh, go down? Let me ask you a question. Have you allowed a viper to attach? Psalm 91 says you, you, you will trample over the lion and the viper you will keep under your feet. What do you do? Here's the question. What do you do with a viper? Uh, vipers will come out of the heat at every, uh, uh, in every situation, at every one of us. But what do you do? What is the strategy for the vipers? Only one thing to do with the viper. Shake it off. Throw it in. I want everybody to go like this. I want everybody to shake it off. Shake it off. Do you understand that Paul preached the most powerful sermon in the New Testament without saying a word? He preached the most powerful uh, message in the New Testament. He shook it off into the fire. Somebody is watching your life as you go through the fire and a viper tries to attach itself to you. My God, we are living epistles. Shake off, shake it off, whatever it is, and lift your hands unto him. Would you give him praise? Shake it off, lift your hands. Shipwrecked under his sovereignty, the revelation is more important than the reasons. Malta prepares the miraculous. You must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Here's the, the other follow one or two more. Being approved of God counts more than the acclaim and the attacks of men. When you are going through this, don't you keep, don't you have your eyes on what people are saying? Because you see what happened to Paul? It is, it is almost comical. When they, when Paul gathered, he, he shook off this thing. Verse 4 of chapter 28. So when the natives saw 
that the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, no doubt, this man is a murderer. And though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the snake, the viper into the fire, suffered no, no harm. So however, they were expecting him that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm coming to him, they changed their minds and said, well, he's a god. <laughs> Nothing has changed from those barbarians on that island to social media today. <laughs> to your Facebook friends. <laughs> to people that are closest to you that shouldn't know you. That should know who you are. They should know your character. They should know you. That when you are under attack. That when you are shipwrecked in an area of your life. Or what they think you're out of God's will. Or shipwrecked. Or things are not going like they thought it should. Just move away from you. And start to murmur to one another. Oh, and then all of a sudden they come back. Oh please. Whatever you go through. Don't pay attention to the acclaim and applause of men. Don't pay attention to the attacks of men. Do you remember? His revelation, remember what, what Paul said, angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, said, do not be afraid. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. The only audience I care when I'm shipwrecked and I'm stuck on the island of Malta and I'm shaking off the vipers, the only audience I care is my God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my God, my strength. Not everyone's acceptance is a blessing, and not everyone's rejection is a curse. He who is approved by God has nothing to prove. Your maker is your mirror. Your maker is your mirror. The only one that you look at to see where, I, where, where should I be. I want you to know that when you, whatever you go through, as your heart stays to him, just let him put his approval. Let him put his favor. Don't defend yourself. Don't fight it. Don't argue back. Don't respond back. Just trust him and let him put his hand of favor on you. And his favor would throw, will throw down every wall, every enemy, every snake, every viper and every storm. Say yes, please. Let me close with this. The revelation is more important than the reason. When you're shipwrecked into, under sovereignty, you understand that the revelation is more important than the reasons. Malta prepares the miraculous. You must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Being approved of God counts more than the acclaim or the attacks of men. And here's the last thought. The pain and the pressures you're going through, they're preparing you for Publius. Say who's Publius, I'll tell you in a second. On April 15 of this year, the week before, the Monday before Easter, the whole world stopped because of the fire destroying the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. It was, it was uh, uh, a, a historical tragedy. And one of the headlines that, was translated in languages around the world was the tower has fallen. I've been to Notre Dame many times and preached in churches all around. And, and the, the actual had a tower that fell. And over a billion dollars was raised over the first three days to rebuild it. And President Macron said, we shall rebuild it. 
And I, I'm all in favor of rebuilding it. It's a historical site and has great historical significance. But let me say a few things. So much, so much has been, let me say three things. The religious and religion can never rebuild lives. Whether it is Catholic or Protestant or Evangelical or Pentecostal or whatever it is. That cathedral never built life, rebuilt life before, and it won't rebuild life again. A relationship with the living God would rebuild life. So only that. The second thing I want to say is uh, there are towers that have fallen in your life, and you found yourself shipwrecked on Malta. There are towers that fall in our lives that don't make the headlines, that nobody talks about, and nobody raises money to help us, but are very, very real to us, that nobody sees. You, of course you understand that on that, that island, Paul, even with all the doctrinal knowledge he had and the knowledge, the deep revelation of God that he had, must have had every demon in hell saying, you're forgotten. You're finishing there. You're dying there. There's nothing good that can come out of this. And whatever tower fell in your life, God sees it today. Whatever Malta you find yourself in, he sees it today. And, Ma and the, the pressures and the pain, the pressures and the pain are preparing you for Publius. The third thing I want to say about, about Notre Dame, we were, we were astounded that to see a billion dollar come in in three days. One French family gave 100 million euros. Another French family gave 200 million euros. And they're sitting on the platform right here. Thank you, Patrick. We appreciate it so much. <laughs> You understand that no billionaires became poor because they gave. No billionaires ended up at the food bank the following week because they gave 100 million. But Easter and today and every day of our lives is the rem reminder that when towers fall in our lives, the Son of God made himself poor. The Son of God, Son of God gave everything. Stripped himself of heaven to come to your rescue, to come on your island of Malta and to turn it into his purposes. Say yes, please. Last verse, the pain and pressures are preparing you for Publius. Acts chapter 28 and verse 7 to 10. In that region, there was a an estate of the leading citizen, the king of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. It was generous in the, in the original. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever. And the sentry, Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands. This is so beautiful. And he laid his hands on him and he healed him. And when that was, this was done, the rest of those, they start coming from all over the island. There's a multiplication. There's a storm, a shipwreck. But on the other side of the shipwreck is the miraculous. So they all, so when they, this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases came and they were healed. And they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things that were necessary. Understand, Paul had not chosen. We don't choose to end up on Malta. Paul did not choose to be in Malta, but he had to choose what he was going to do and what is, he was going to be in Malta. Am I going to be miserable in Malta or I'm going to be fulfilling my mission in Malta? And it's very, very, just in passing, just stay with me. It was so, so beautiful that while he was in Malta, and Luke writes about this years later, and he, he says all these people were there, and they were kind to us, and they took care of us. And they, do you, do you remember, 
Do you, uh, do you, are you grateful to God and to them? Do you remember the people that when you were in trouble were kind to you? Were around you, provided for you and helped you? And let me ask you, ask you this. Are you one of those, are you one of those people, believer, Jesus follower, that when somebody is shipwrecked around you or in trouble around you, open your arm, not your finger in judgment, not your front. You understand how Christians and, and entire circles of Christianity, their Christians move away from people that look in trouble. They just, they've been your son, they're, they're fair weather friends. And when trouble comes, they're kind of like, no, I, I say, God, thank you. I want to be like you. When I was in my worst trouble, you came to me. I want to be that man or that woman. Say yes, please. Say to the person next to you, when I'm shipwrecked, I need you. Say that to the person next to you, please. That's the church. This is so beautiful. Can you imagine shipwreck, the rain, the fire, and just, they're surviving. They can't even understand each other. And they, they, when the snake hits, he, could, he doesn't understand what they're saying, but he could feel their, their anger, their judgment, and, and he's going to die, and the judge are against, the, the gods are against him, and what's going to happen to me? But then, then he shakes it off, and they all look at him for a longest time, scripture, longest time. And when he's not swelling up or dying, they turn, and maybe they fall on their knees and say, he's a god, he's a god. And Paul says, no, 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 no. And I don't know how they make themselves understood. And you can see him just sitting in, in Publius's house. The king of the village comes and says, you, you come and, and be. Uh, and we don't even, nobody can even tell him. There's no translators. How, how can we go about this? But somehow, somehow Paul sees and, and emotions. And this is my father. And he's dying of the century. And this is Paul. This is you. And I please understand that the place of Malta is not the place to just turn on yourself and focus on your misery and pain. And what? How come I'm not in Rome? And where is Rome? No, no. Where you are in Malta, God wants to lead people your way that you will minister to. Oh, this is so beautiful. The Bible says that Paul, your pain and your pressure, it had to happen. Your pain and your pressure are preparing you for Publius. And the hand, the very hand, the very hand with the snake bite wound on it, still fresh, was laid by the power of God on the sick man. And healing began to touch the entire island. Would you say yes, please? I want to be that man. I want to be that. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I was yesterday so honored to be at the commencement, 25th year of, and, and, and two, and I'm saying this, I, I'm so keenly aware, the scripture says, don't, the Bible warns us against flattering lips, but asks us to give honor to whom honor is due. And she's not here today, she'll be here in the next weeks, but I just wanted to, if you allow me, Pastor Carter, I just wanted to, to honor Pastor Theresa and honor Dr. Conlon, and, and I was watching her lead, lead, lead yes, we can, uh, maybe she's watching the service. I was just watching her lead and in, and in humility and simplicity, but it was such a, a lead. And you could feel the, the love of the students and everyone that were there and, and her leadership and the anointing God gives her. And, and behind that, there's a lot of sacrifice. A lot of just listening to God. There's a lot of Maltas. There's a lot of, of islands. There's a lot of I'm listening to God. There's a lot of I don't know the reasons, but I have a revelation. There's a lot of I'm in Malta, but God is preparing me for the next season of ministry. There's a lot of uh, snakes that try to come, but I'm shaking them off. And there's a lot of uh, uh, all kinds of reactions of men and of uh, around us, but I'm looking for 
the approbation of my God and to be obedient to him. There's a lot of pain and pressures that were preparing her for Publius. And when I was watching her and, 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 and thinking of my friend, my brother, Pastor Carter, and thinking, I didn't know all this presentation was going to be made today on, on the book. It's, a time, it's time to pray that I've read over and over. And this book is going around the world. And God is using it. Why? Because when they were in Malta, When they were in Canada, when in his 30s, the physical breakdown and, and, and moments when he walked in fields screaming out to God, why are you doing this to me? But he held on and the revelation was developing in them. And the, the reasons are giving back to God and the revelation grows. And Malta prepares the miraculous. And whenever snakes tries to hang on, they shake them back throw them back in the fire and lift their hands unto God. And I say, the Bible said, the Apostle Paul said, you, you follow me as you follow Christ. And Pastor Carter and, and Teresa are my are friends, but they are some models to me, models to so many of us. And the reason why this voice of prayer is resonating around the world now, and this book is going through radio around the world uh, now, and this message is going around the world, is because when nobody watched, nobody see, I've traveled with them uh, all through nations, six in the morning with elders, wherever we are in the world, seeking God, when nobody sees, nobody knows, nobody, nobody understands, but the ministry was being prepared. The supernatural was being prepared. Whatever Malta you're in now, surrender to his purposes. The revelation of the God to whom you serve and who you belong to is more important, do you understand, than the reasons. Leave the reasons to God. The Malta will prepare your ministry, your future, your future page of ministry, the next season of your life. Whatever, whatever snake tries to hold out to your hand, shake it into fire. Because the pains and the pressures you're going through now are preparing you for Publius, are preparing you for the purposes of God in your life. When I, when I in 1985... When they asked me, yesterday was a very emotional day for me. I'm very honored to be commencement speaker at the Bible school. In 1985, they, I was invited. I was asked to be the interpreter for Pastor David Wilkish. And I was just 20, 21. And um, the reason why I was chosen was very particular. They, but this was a different era of time. Pastor David Wilkerson came to Canada for five weeks on a bus. And we, they were looking for an interpreter to be on the bus with them for five weeks in hockey arenas all over, all over Canada, all over our nation. And, and, and when they gather all the, the, the religious leader and all the pastors and the superintendents to choose the interpreter... And sometimes movements are like that. Uh, men are men. And, and they would say, okay, let's uh, can we, uh, uh, who would be the interpreter? Well, somebody would say, well, I would propose this brother. He's got so much experience. He's a great interpreter. And people would say, well, no, if it's him, we're not participating. Then they would say, what about this one? Well, if it's him, we're not participating. So finally, some men, inspired of God, I wasn't even in the room. I just starting out. I was preaching then. I preached over those years a thousand services to 50 people or less. I was, I was nobody. And they, just coming out of Bible school, just a young guy, just coming out of Bible school, off the streets, and, and just Bible school, and now I'm, I'm preaching to 10, 20, 30. We had revival. We had 42 people on Wednesday. It was amazing. And, I, and they, somebody in the back room said, back row said, hey, why don't we ask the young guy, uh, that clothed pastor, uh, he, he can translate, and he, nobody knows him, so he has no enemies. My only, my only claim, my only qualification was my insignificance. <laughs> And say to somebody next to you, so is yours. Say that to somebody next to you. 
I was interpreter for David Wilkerson. I'm on stage with him, the first one on first rally in a hockey arena in Montreal. When I, I, I'm just streets away from the neighborhoods, a project in which I grew up in Montreal. Uh, a few years before, uh, selling drugs, collecting and beating people up and collecting. And, 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 and when I, I, I'm standing on stage, he put a suit on me and a tie. I'm standing on stage <laughs> interpreting for David Wilkerson. And there was a guy in the back that started yelling. He was agitated. He was a, a man, a young man from my, about my age, from my neighborhood, who had become a Christian. And he could not even imagine that I had become a Christian. So he started yelling, stop this, stop this. This is an imposter. This is Claude Hood. Don't you know? And at the end of the service, he, they brought him to me and he kept, he, I did the whole service interpreting prayer. It never occurred to him, maybe he got saved. And I grabbed his face and said, brother, I became a Christian too. And he's like, yeah, well, you know. Couple of years, uh, during that same couple of weeks, during that same trip, nobody knew on earth, not even my best friend. But I was single when I was preaching in very small places, living in a one, one room, just a studio, one room apartment. And I had a piano player that traveled with me in that same room. We were just, we were just small, very poor. We had, we, 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 ministry was so hard in French Quebec. And because I could preach in English, I was invited to go preached many times in this large church. I'm not going to say where. This message goes everywhere. But they invited me to come and be an evangelist attached to that American church. And Americans being Americans, they sometimes they put, this is going to be a salary. This is your apartment. This is a Christian with a car dealership. What car do you want? And it was all, it was all and I was 21 years old. And, and I just thought, well, I'll go live in the States and I'll come back to Quebec once in a while. And on, a, and on a, ser, a service in a city in Quebec, just before the big hockey arena filled with people, we're going over the message, Brother Dave and I. And no, no introduction, nothing preparing it. Nobody knows. I got my briefcase with the letter saying, I'm just about to say, yes, I'll be there in January. I'll, I'll move to the States. It's too hard in the French. And Brother Dave gets up and he goes, this is a word from the Lord for you. You will be lured. You'll be tempted to be lured away from your people. And if you do, you'll remain serving me, but you'll be out of my will, out of what I've prepared for you. And if you stay, and then he went on, if you stay, it will be hardship and deserts and accusations and lonely. And I'm thinking, when's the good part coming? <laughs> And there will be time when you feel like you're dying. And there will be time when you feel, and you'll be, and God will break you and mold you and shape you. And God will, and I'm just, you know, I'm weeping. And I'm just, but if you stay, there will be a wave to the French world. And you'll be at the center of it. You know what he was saying? You will go from Malta to Malta to Malta. But if you hold on to the revelation that is greater than whatever reasons you go to, Every Malta will mold you into the ministry I've called you to be. And if you, many snakes, many vipers will come and attach themselves to you. But if you shake them off by the grace of God and you lift the wounded hand to him, the wounded hand will become the hand of healing. And I will use you in ways you can never imagine. So yesterday when I stood there, so proud, so honored, so privileged, so undeserving to speak at that commencement. And they told me, you know, 
we're giving you, you're wearing Pastor David's robe. From the streets to wearing his robe. And not, not because I'm in any way, no, no, just, just one of many sons from around the world. And you don't know the mantle, the robe that God has prepared for you. As you hold on to his promises through your shipwrecks of your life. And you remain under his sovereignty. He will use you, prepare you, mold you, change you for his purposes. In Jesus' name and all of God's people say amen and amen and amen. From the very last row of the balcony to the very first here to the every seat in the annex. To the thousands who will download this message by streaming and Facebook Live. God is speaking to us today. And if you're here and you say, oh God, I've been shipwrecked. But I'm releasing the reasons. I am leaving the reasons to you. I'm leaving the whys to you. And I'm surrendering to your purpose. I want you to lift your hands to him and say, God, here it is. Oh God, I've been, I've been in Malta. I've been in Malta, but I believe that Malta is molding me for what you're preparing me to become. So I surrender to your purposes. Come on, people of God. In Acts chapter 4, they lifted their voices together. Can we begin to lift our voice together? Speak to your God. I've had a snake try to attach itself to my hand. I've had a snake of unbelief and doubt and, and fear and hurt and bitterness maybe. But I'm, I'm, I'm throwing, I'm shaking it off by your power and your grace. And the womb, I'm declaring by faith that the wounded hand, my woundedness you will use for your purposes in Jesus' name. And the wounded hand will become the healing hand in Jesus' name. And you have a publius of your purposes waiting for me in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands? And for a moment, even before we sing, and Greg will leave, lead us, and Pastor Carter will come as, as our shepherd, as our pastor, and our leader, our general, to come and lead us in this closing moment. But before we do, as Times Square Church can do, would you lift your voices all over the place? This becomes a prayer meeting, a commitment moment, an altar-building moment where we are surrendering. We are under His sovereignty, no matter the shipwreck. I am under God's sovereignty. Come on, all over the place, voices. Are, you, you're from New York. You came from all over the U.S. You came to speak for God. You came to defend life. You came to stand. And there was such opposition. There was such ugliness. There was such... And today you need to be renewed in love and in strength and in power and in courage to stand. Every man and woman to the sound of my voice, let me hear the volume of prayer go up for a minute today in Times Square Church. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.